I supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. What? We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Dodge this. I'm the best in the world. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. Welcome back to Steak Sauce. I'm your host, Bugs Bryant. Let's recap a solid week of football. When I last left you, I was 6-5 in NCAA action. I ended Saturday at 11-6, so we'll get into those games, followed by the NFL recap where we went 5-2-1. First, we'll recap my pick of the week, which was Auburn at Georgia, where we took Georgia to cover the 7.5 as well as under 44.5. With both teams riding heavy trends towards the under and a Georgia cover, the Bulldogs did not disappoint as they held Auburn without a touchdown and only allowed 39 rushing yards en route to a 27-6 victory for the cover and the under. More SEC action as we took LSU to cover against the Commodores after dropping their opener to Mississippi State. Miles Brennan threw for 337 yards and 4 tutters and the defense had a much better outing after allowing over 600 passing yards to Mississippi State a week earlier. They held Vandy to just 3.9 yards per pass attempt and tallied two interceptions as they stampeded to a 41-7 win, covering their 21-point spread with ease. I thought Oklahoma would win over Iowa State but was not willing to risk a pick on either side of the spread. However, the over 63.5 was a good play given the Sooners' yearly lack of a defense. Iowa State pulled off the upset and gained their first home win against Oklahoma since 1960, which snapped a 24-game losing streak at home to win 37-30 and cash in on the over. In my second or third worst pick of the week, I took the over 68.5 in the Arkansas and Mississippi State game. One of the stranger results of the weekend, Arkansas pulled off the outright upset in Starkville for their first conference win since the 2017 season. Despite throwing three picks, the Bulldogs were still within scoring range to push for an overtime, but failed on consecutive drives to punch in the tying score, falling short at the 13 and 7 yard line. The Razorbacks win 21-14. In our last college game of the week, we had Virginia traveling to Death Valley to play the Clemson Tigers. Our pick here was the over, which was set at 52. We made this choice based on a few Virginia totals trends and Clemson being able to potentially score 49 on their own. This over seemed to be in the bag by halftime as the Tigers jumped out to a 24-10 lead, accounting for 34 of the 52 we needed to push, and by the third quarter we only needed a score of any kind to win. Trevor Lawrence continues to add to his draft tape as he went 25 for 38 for 329 yards and 3 touchdowns. Shifting gears to NFL Sunday. Our morning picks were flawless, going a perfect 4-0 with the Seahawks, Browns, Chargers spread, and the over 42.5 in the Chargers and Buccaneers game. Starting with one of the bolder predictions, let's cover the Browns game that saw the Cowboys get gashed on defense, allowing 49 points and 3 touchdowns to Odell Beckham, one of which he caught from Jarvis Landry. This extends Dak Prescott's against the spread struggles against teams with winning records to 23-23-1 as a favorite. After going up 14-7, the Cowboys allowed 34 straight points to the Browns before scoring at the 12-24 mark of the fourth quarter to make it 41-22. This game was never a contest, and I don't care about what Dak did in the fourth quarter. The game was long since garbage time, which is... It's Brucey's time to shine, baby. Then Dak saw Denzel Ward and... Ah, you wish you'd have that popcorn. In another bold prediction, I thought the Chargers could be in position for an outright upset, but after seeing the injury report, I chickened back to the spread at 7.5, which paid off, as well as the over 42.5. 
The Chargers finally stopped settling for field goals and made use of the yardage Justin Herbert had been providing to this point. However, the lack of health on the defensive side of the ball proved to be too much to overcome as TB12 threw for five touchdowns, all to different receivers. Four after throwing a pick six, marking his second of the season, and fourth in his last six games. The Bucks overcame a 17-point gap after allowing the Chargers a 24-0 run with a crucial score before half to cut the lead to 24-14. The Bucks' defense tightened up, allowing only one more score in the contest when the Chargers reclaimed the lead at 31-28 as the third quarter was winding down. Brady threw his last touchdown of the day to Keyshawn Vaughn with 11 minutes left in the fourth and the Bucks never looked back, tacking on a field goal for good measure late in the fourth. Bucks win 38-31. Easy over and the cover only looked sweaty late as the Bucks had a chance to go up 11. The Russell Wilson train continues to flow gravy as the Seahawks are 4-0 against the spread on the season. The game was tight in the first half as the Miami defense had an answer for the MVP frontrunner. The Seahawks made a few halftime adjustments and were able to let Russell Wilson loose as he finished for 360 yards and two touchdowns, getting some help from Chris Carson who punched in a pair of touchdowns as well, topping the Dolphins 31-23. The three afternoon selections I had made were the Bills and the Rams to cover as well as the under in the Bills Raiders game. I ended up splitting these three games going 1-1-1 with a push on the under at 53. Let's cover the Rams game first as it was mostly uneventful ending 17-9. The Giants have still only scored one touchdown since losing Saquon Barkley and have now gone 134 minutes without a touchdown since scoring in the fourth quarter of the Bears game in week two. The Giants cover the 13, making them 9-1 against the spread in this matchup and extending their road dog record to 5-0 against the spread and 14-3 on the road overall. Josh Allen continues to impress on his MVP push as the Bills remain undefeated, and Allen continues to ball. Accounting for three total scores and 288 passing yards, the Bills made light work of the Raiders, who made the scoreline tighter in Derek Carr time, which is the outdated version of Dak Prescott time, which is the modern day version of garbage time. It's time to shine, baby. Derek Carr went 32 for 44 for 311 and two touchdowns, breaking the Raiders franchise record with his 151st touchdown pass. Buffalo led 30-16 until the Raiders scored late at a minute 29 left to make it 30-23, but then failed to recover the following onside kick. Bills cover the three, and the under is a push. In my second or third worst pick of the week, I was all over the Atlanta Green Bay over at 58, and even more when it dropped at 56. But Atlanta failed to push the ball, and Green Bay left three or seven points on the board early when they decided to go for it on fourth and goal with a strange play call. Atlanta still gave up lots of points, I expected Green Bay to hang 40 on them, and had Atlanta shown any signs of life, they might have had a reason to. Atlanta had a chance to pull within a score late in the fourth, but poor execution gave the ball back to the Packers and allowed them to chew more clock. A-Rod finished with four touchdowns and 327 yards. His new favorite target in Devontae Adams' absence, Robert Tunyon had three touchdowns on six catches for 98 yards. The Packer defense harassed Matt Ryan as Darius Smith had three of Green Bay's four sacks. Final score, 30-16, well under the 56.5 total. Moving on to the early lines preview, we have LSU traveling to Missouri and currently favored by 14 after opening at 20. The total here is at 54. LSU hasn't had problems on the scoring side after putting up 34-41 and 41 in their first two games and traveled to a Missouri team that's allowed 73 points to Tennessee and Alabama while scoring only three touchdowns, all of which came when the game was already decided, trailing 35-6 before scoring against Alabama and 28-6 before a third-quarter touchdown and failed two-point conversion. The line has dropped almost a full touchdown and by game day I wouldn't be surprised if this bumps back up to 17. 
and settles as through the total, Missouri will have to take advantage of a young and inexperienced LSU defense that let Mississippi State pass all over them if they're going to get their offense rolling before the game gets out of hand. I like LSU to cover, and as of today, I'm not leaning either way on the total. Next, we have another SEC matchup as the South Carolina Gamecocks travel to Vanderbilt, where South Carolina is favored by 13 after opening at 12. The total has dropped drastically from 48 to 41 and a half, which lines up with Vanderbilt showing very little on the offensive side through their opening games, putting up 19 points combined. And two of those points are from a safety that came from an illegal block in the end zone on Texas A&M. South Carolina has had a tough start to the schedule, facing Tennessee and traveling to Florida to play a Gator team and fought well in both of those games. Seeing them score 27 and 24 against a Gator team that pumps out defensive units and a Tennessee team under Jeremy Pruitt, I'd lean towards South Carolina getting into the 20s without a problem. The question here is whether they can reach past that and get into the 30s for a cover. Vandy doesn't seem poised as of yet to make any offensive breakouts, so I expect the score in the teens may be a 27-13, which is a tight cover and a tight under. Maybe wait for a little more line movement before making a commitment here. Florida travels to College Station to play the Aggies. Gators favored by 6.5, up from 5.5, and, and the total is sitting at 57. Gators should get a cover here as they've started their campaign running, as the Aggies had a slow start against Vanderbilt, followed by a whooping in Tuscaloosa that saw the tide hang 52 on them. This could be another overplay as the Gators could start rolling early and keep extending their lead as AM plays catch up football. A usually stout defense in Florida has given up 59 points this far to Ole Miss and South Carolina, however have won by 14 and 16 respectively, and accumulated leads of 23 and 21 in the fourth quarter. The Gator line should be no problem, up to probably 9.5, as well as the over if the Gators continue to score at their floor of 38. Next we have the Red River rivalry, which is Texas versus Oklahoma, which has the Sooners favored by a field goal, and the totals at 72. Both teams here are coming in off straight-up losses as Oklahoma's dropped their last two and Texas fell to in-state rival TCU last week. Sooners have managed to score a lot of points despite an abundance of mistakes, and if they're able to fix those mistakes at any point this season, they'll still be considered a top-caliber team despite the rough start. Texas is in no better shape as they're an overtime win against Texas away from being in the same boat. Neither team has shown a consistent defense, and in some instances any defense, leading to such a high total. The under in this matchup is on a 2-0 run in the last two years, and those were set at 77.5 and 80. This is another wait and see line as Oklahoma just needs to get out of their own way to get their ship back sailing, and Texas also just needs to anchor down defensively to win. Next we have an ACC matchup which is Clemson versus Miami where Clemson's favored by 14. The total is sitting at 63 and a half. This matchup looks good on paper and I'm admittedly biased when I say that Clemson should manhandle the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes QB has feasted on much inferior competition in the early season and the Hurricanes are being overvalued for it. The Tigers will keep King in the pocket forcing him to throw for the win which isn't exactly in his repertoire as a quarterback. There will inevitably be broken plays during the course of this game, and that's where King thrives as he uses athleticism to extend plays and allow for shots downfield, but the caliber of athletes he'll be on the field with this Saturday don't compare to the ones he's faced thus far in the season. I like Clemson to cover, I like the over 63.5. Alabama minus 24 at Ole Miss, with the over under sitting at 74 after opening at 70. 
Nick Saban faces his former student Lane Kiffin, who has now got the job at Ole Miss. And just like last week where I praised Kiffin for his aired out style of play, we should see no less of the same here, as regardless of the score, Kiffin will keep swinging at his old boss. But Nick Saban doesn't let the student beat the teacher, so take this over as Bama probably scores 63 to show little Lane daddy doesn't play silly games. Ole Miss scores probably 28, maybe more, but Bama definitely gets to 50s. An SEC matchup with a better than expected Tennessee team on our hands has them traveling to Georgia as 12 and a half point underdogs with an over under total at 43. Tennessee is coming in 2-0 after beating Missouri and South Carolina to start their season. Georgia's coming off a blowout of Auburn that saw them hold the Tigers out of the end zone. This matchup should be more of an exchange as Tennessee has mustered some offense scoring 31 and 35, but this is the true measuring stick to separate from the rest of the SEC as you have Bama, then LSU, Florida, and Georgia, followed by the rest of the conference in a rotating order. I like Georgia to cover here as Tennessee is probably not all the way there yet in terms of the SEC big boys, but if you're of the belief that they're about to make that jump, then you should probably play the over here as both teams will have to score into the 20s for that to be the case. Uh, next, let's move to the ACC where Virginia Tech is traveling to North Carolina to play the Tar Heels. Both teams are coming in following a win, but failed to cover their spreads after Virginia Tech beat Duke and North Carolina beat Boston College. The Tar Heels continue to improve under head coach Mack Brown and with Sam Howell in his second year under center. The Hokies defense is looking to try and get settled under new defensive coordinator Justin Hamilton who took over for the retired Bud Foster. Virginia Tech gave up 31 points to Duke after allowing NC State to score 24, albeit in a more one-sided affair. UNC has a more stingy defense than Virginia Tech, only allowing 6 to Syracuse and 22 to Boston College. This seems like a UNC cover all day. Shifting gears to the NFL, Thursday Night Football shows us the Bucks playing in Chicago as 3.5 point favorites. This should be a casual cover for Tampa Bay as the Bears are just a slightly better version of the Giants with a better defense to stay low scoring, but not enough offense to contend with the better teams. Their wins against the Lions and Falcons are becoming much less impressive despite the late rallies in those games. Those teams have shown that their defenses are more of a side dish than an entree. There for a moment, gone the next. Bucks minus three and a half should be easy money. For Sunday, we have the Cards at the Jets, and I think this could potentially be the trap game of the weekend, just like last week with the Panthers. The Jets finally showed some signs of life against the Broncos, who despite being without Vaughn Miller, are still showing a fiery pass rush. Sam Darnold made a wild touchdown run and got the offense rolling despite all the missing pieces there. That being said, the Cards have regressed slightly after a 2-0 start to the year. They've stumbled a 2-2, losing as outright favorites to the Lions and Panthers. As is, my gut says to take the Jets plus 7 and the over 46.5. The Cards had two layup games on the schedule after starting out with the upset against the Niners and then subsequent domination of the football team from Washington. The Cardinals likely win this, but I'm not sold right now on the cover. Next we have Miami plus 9.5 at San Francisco. Miami was able to stay within striking distance of the Bills and kept it tight with Seattle until a late turnover sealed the game for the Seahawks. Considering the depth of the injury report for the Niners and their loss to a well-undermanned Philly team, this smells like there could be a little bit of Fitz magic in the air. I'm taking the fish on the plus nine and a half here. 
Next, you have Minnesota traveling to Seattle. Seattle's favored by seven, 57 and a half. Gravy train, baby. Keep riding Russell Wilson until he stops covering. Giants plus nine and a half at Dallas, and the total is set to 54. The Giants will only have one way to win any football game this season, and it will involve holding teams to under 15 points. However, the Cowboys do come in with possibly the worst defense in the league and an onside kick away from being 0-4. If there was going to be a game for the Cowboys to come in and look like world beaters, it would have to be this one. After an outright loss to Cleveland, the Cowboys lost out on first place in the NFC Leagues by way of Philly having the tie against the Bengals because 1-2-1 is better than 1-3. Now as far as the spread goes, the Giants made believers out of me last week traveling to LA in the Rams fancy new stadium and covering the spread to bolster their spread record on the road and as road dogs to 14-3 and 5-0 and respectively. I do want to play the under here as well on the hunch that the game plays out closer to the Rams-Giants than it does to the Cowboys-Browns game. That being said, if the Giants were going to have a wake-up game for their offense, it's probably against this defense that's allowed an ungodly amount of points and yards so far this season. So I'm going to wait for the line to settle to make the play, and I'd probably take the Giants as low as 7.5 as the underdog. Indies nearly become a pick'em game against Cleveland after a very sluggish performance against the Bears that saw a handy cover, but the Colts were only able to score 19 with one touchdown and a whack of field goals. Cleveland's coming off an outright beatdown of Dallas that saw them accumulate over 500 yards of offense and 300 rushing yards. Cleveland has scored 34 or more points in their last three games, winning all three. Indy is the more polished team, but has a turnover-prone quarterback against a team that has all the momentum in their favor. I like the over 46 as Cleveland has been on a roll, and the Colts will have to enter the shootout if they want to win this one. My last early preview is a division game between Atlanta and Carolina that sees Atlanta favored by two points and the total set to 54. Atlanta's in desperate search of a win, and the Panthers have been able to remain efficient without McCaffrey. As Houston players rallied together to have Bill O'Brien fired, it remains to be seen how the Atlanta front office will proceed with Dan Quinn going forward. The Falcons were in a similar situation last year before peeling off a bunch of wins and saving some jobs. If there was ever a time for desperation in Atlanta from the players or the coaches, it would be now after an 0-4 start versus a Carolina team that is breaking in a new head coach and without its best offensive player. I like Atlanta to finally get its win and the over 54 as well. And now onto the Steak Sauce podcast trivia question. The question was, Kyler Murray won last year's Rookie of the Year honors. Before Kyler Murray, who was the last Heisman winner to take home the Rookie of the Year award? Robert Griffin III. Good ol' RG3. What is the most lopsided victory in college football history, and what was the score of that game? Your answer on the next episode of Steak Sauce. Come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Deep left field. That goes up there. Back down the wall. It's out of here. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. What? Not a game. We're talking about practice.
your ball. Dodge this. I am the best in the world. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. Bro, what are you talking about, man?